For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Uh, just uh, briefly to introduce Howard, most of you know him, many of you know him. Howard uh, is one of our Ancient Dragon Zengate chaplains. He also li- he lives in Hyde Park and is a graduate of University of Chicago Divinity School. And uh, I'm very happy to have you giving a talk tonight, Howard. Thank you for having me. Hi to everybody I haven't seen in a while. Um, nice to meet you to those who I have not met yet. Um, so I... Uh, a quick note, Howard, before you get too far in, if you could speak up, we're um, at full volume here in the Zendo, but there's a lot of street noise. I, I will try my best. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> um, I will try my best. Uh, so I... Uh, title of my talk uh for now anyway is, is i learned it by watching you the perfection of courage some of you may recognize the i learned it by watching you as as the line from the this classic drug psa uh where there's a commer- it's a commercial psa thing back in the, the late 80s when uh this father discovers the son uh discovers drugs in his son's room and the the father grills the son for a bit. And then the son snaps back with, I learned it by watching you. Um, This is sort of a tongue in cheek reference uh, in this talk uh, because what I want to talk about is courage, um, the parameter of courage. Um, I want to talk about how it has shown up in my Zazen practice, it's a live question. It's something that I've been um, paying attention to more and appreciating more, particularly in the context of this last year, uh, when I where I've been a resident chaplain at Rush University Medical Center. So this talk is not unlike the last few ones I've done um, uh, about chaplaincy per se, but a lot of the insights and the questions that were provoked from the work I was doing in chaplaincy. Um, So just for context, um, I was do, I've been a resident chaplain this last year. So I've been doing both a lot of training uh, with a group where I do a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of internal um, and group processing about dynamics. And we'll get into into little spats about everything and anything. And it is up to us to, to name things and to work with it and to be aware of it and to be in a word courageous with each other about what's happening and to risk being with each other and not knowing what's going to happen when you name something. It's sort of a nice container for practicing courage, for practicing risk taking, for practicing vulnerability and, getting used to not knowing what the hell is happening for when you actually go into a patient's room. So for example, I was on call last night. I, I was called in the, I was paged in the middle of the night around 
3 a.m. to go provide support to a family member who, uh, uh, whose, who, whose uh, loved one had died in the hospital. And she had just died just minutes before I got the page. And this is a very common experience for chaplains in the hospital uh, to be called to support family at death. And every time it's an issue, it's a situation where you don't know what's going to happen. You've done it plenty of times at this point. I've done it many times. I know the the chaplains who have uh, been at Ancient Dragon have done it many times. And yet every time it requires new intention. It requires reminding of intention. It requires uh, a rekindling of courage to be able to know what you're afraid of when you walk into a room to know what your attachments are when you walk into a room uh, and to be okay with not knowing what the hell is going to happen in the next minute, the next five minutes. I've been in situations where I've been rejected outright. And I've also been in situations where I've been with the family for over, for over an hour straight being with them, talking with them, praying with them and sometimes just holding a lot of silence with them. So this last year has given me a lot of room and a lot of context for thinking about what courage means because ultimately what, what, what it comes down to is I, I wanted to do this chaplaincy stuff because I was scared. <laughs> I was really afraid of this work. I was really afraid of the intensity of the emotions. I was really scared of the stuff it was it would bring out of me um the the kinds of anxieties and the grief and the shame and the anger all of it is is fair game <laughs> uh if you if you if you're willing to put it on the table to be to let it be fair game so something that happens a lot in this training process is that um there's there's some variation there are all variations of this of this basic question um, that you hear a lot, particularly in uh, like ministerial training per se, which is where do you derive your your pastoral authority, or how do you ground yourself in this kind of work? And I think the simple one of the simple answers that one could offer as people who practice the Buddha Dharma is that we can say the Buddha Dharma. Um, I've never been satisfied with that answer. It seems too simple. <laughs> it's too easy. <laughs> um, that doesn't feel like the risky answer to me. Um, so I, I've been really sitting with that question a lot. Where do I derive this authority? How do I, how do I get the sense and the power with which I do this work? when I hear my Christian colleagues be able to name very directly their relationship with God or something or a certain way that they have experienced God, it's something I don't experience. It's something I don't have. And I'm okay with that. But it has led me to ask a lot of questions and to be very curious and open and, and be vulnerable to what it is about this practice that gives me, seems to give me, I don't know from what, how, I don't know the mechanics of it, this courage to be able to show up in the hospital in these really terrifying, horrifying situations. Um, 
that a lot of the patients and the families are going through. So the 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 simple the the one word answer is that I derive this authority, this power, this courage through zazen. Uh, a lot easier said uh, in one one phrase. It's harder to explain to people who are not Buddhists, but thankfully you are all Buddhists in some way, shape, or form. So, <clears throat> um, I realized over the course of this year that I was tapping into this vague sense of power or something. And I, and I, and I, I've been trying to like figure out what the word is and the word that it really hit me in, in recent months was courage. It's courage. It's, 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 and I think in, in some ways it's the sort of very basic understanding we have of being able to show up knowing and not knowing <laughs> what is in store. Um, it's a willingness and a readiness to show up knowing and not knowing what is in store. And I, I use that phrase very intentionally in the sense of like a storehouse of, of karma. You don't even know so old ain't all my ancient twisted karma that is unfolding that some of it, I can understand most of it. I can't and cannot predict. And yet I'm going to sit anyway. I'm going to show up anyway. So this t- time is already moving much faster than I expected. Um, I I uh, wanted to consider uh, courage of the perspective of the, the paramitas, of which the one I've been thinking of specifically is virya. And courage is not the only word that's used to to translate virya, but that's it's one possible word. But I do think the some of the other words that are used, um, the conglomeration of these words work for me and how I've experienced uh, courage, not just in the clinic, but on, but on the actual cushion. So tonight and any other time I've sat. So some of these other words include things like enthusiasm, zeal, vigor, effort, joy, energy, aspiration, all of these things work for me and 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 i think uh uh uh, fall really well under the umbrella of courage there's a sense in which you have to try to cultivate courage but also even just showing up and trying to be courageous in some way and setting the intention to be courageous to be aspiring to be to try to be enthusiastic to make an effort is as as we would say in you know just conventionally um is already very different from not making an effort there's a there's a strange sense in which it's it's self-reinforcing or or self-generative one one common way that i thought about this too and that i've encountered this like loophole that happens in practice is, for example, in the Bodhisattva vows. These are vows that are technically impossible, right? We 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 say these things are the, the beings are numberless. We're going to save them all. Um, we say that Dharma gates are endless, and we're going to cut. We're, we're going to enter all all of them. Like these are impossible, infinite vows. And yet, there's something about what we are doing that it gives us the courage to say it anyway to vow knowing 
and not knowing what is in store for the next sentient being that shows up in front of us, the next Dharma gate that shows up in front of us, the next delusion that shows up in front of us. Saying the vows, deciding to sit, sitting through every single second of Zazen practice. We are allowing ourselves room to be uncertain, to not know what the hell is going on and still go, well, let's keep trying. Let's show up anyway. And they give us meaning. They give us some direction when, when we try, it seems to fail or it doesn't seem to be enough. It helps remind us that this is hard. This is hard work, conventionally, we might say that it is basically impossible and that the challenge of the practice is to continue showing up anyway. And that once we do, once we make that, in my experience has been like a almost snap decision of like, yeah, I'm going to sit, it's going to suck. And I might step away from me. I might at the end of, you know, 30 minutes or whatever, still go that sucked is so qualitatively different than if I didn't do it at all. And if I didn't risk being uncomfortable for half an hour for myself, to myself. So, I, you know, the Bodhisattva is obviously, I think, a, a, a figure of courage. They're willing to forgo their own enlightenment, a set path, right? That the, the, the thing that's clearly the next step, the next goal in mind for the enlightenment of others, they're willing to act in spite of their own self-interest to avoid suffering so that they can continue, so they can risk suffering to be with others. I'm uh, thinking a lot too about, you know, it's, it's easy to be courageous when things are easy. <laughs> and I, I think I would even maybe contend that maybe that's not courage. Um, there's this phrase uh, that shows up uh, in Suzuki's writing. He he quotes Dogen as saying, uh, "Life is one like one continuous mistake," <laughs> which uh, it, that that has always resonated with me. But I had to do some digging around because I, I was like, I don't know where Dogen actually says something like that. And the closest thing I could find, um, and I would love to hear what Tigan thinks uh, eventually. Um, I think I found something that that uh, that that's what Suzuki is referencing. And so I'd like to read this. This is from the Eheikoroku. Um, is uh, one of the Dharma discourses, number eighty-eight. The teacher Dogen said, two thousand years later, we are the descendants of Shakyamuni." 2,000 years ago, he was our ancestral father. He is muddy and wet from following and chasing after the waves. It can be described like this, but also there's the principle of the way that we must make one mistake after another. What is this like? Whether Buddha is present or not present, I trust he is right under our feet. Face after face is Buddha's face. Fulfillment after fulfillment is Buddha's fulfillment. Last night, 
This mountain monk, Dogen referring to himself, unintentionally stepped on a dried turd and it jumped up and covered heaven and earth. This mountain monk unintentionally stepped on it again and it introduced itself saying, my name is Shakyamuni. Then this mountain monk unintentionally stepped on his chest and immediately he went and sat on the Vajra seat, saw the morning star, bit through the traps and snares of conditioned birth, and cast away his old nest from the past. Without waiting for anyone to peck at his shell from outside, he received the 32 characteristics common to all Buddhas, and together with this mountain monk, composed the following four-line verse. Stumbling, I stepped on his chest, and his backbone snapped. Mountains and rivers swirling around, the dawn wind blew. Penetrating seven and accomplishing eight, bones piercing the heavens, his face attained a sheet of golden skin. I love this passage. There's a lot in here. <laughs> the the one I the, the 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 bit I really want to focus on is the whether Buddha is present or not present. I trust he is right under our feet, and I think that's another way that I've been understanding embodying courage is 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 trust and it doesn't show up so much in our tradition i think it shows up in like the pure land tradition of entrustment um but this sort of like really fundamental sense that that uh i don't want to i don't it's too platitudinal to say that things will be all right because that's not what i mean (laughs) um uh but there's a sense in which uh again knowing and not knowing knowing that for example all beings are already enlightened and not knowing what that looks like and what that means and how that plays out i'm going to trust anyway that this that that buddha is here in front of me it takes a lot to trust it's risky to trust I learned that a lot during this last year and it's not just trusting like a loved one to say something, you know, important to you when the time calls for it. It's also just trusting in yourself. So for me, I think the way that it shows up in Zazen is that, I mean, even, even to make the commitment to, to tell, to, to make the commitment to sit every day or every other day or whatever the schedule is you have, that takes courage to recognize, to name, to follow through with. It takes courage to sit and it encourages us, encourages us to continue and to be diligent in not just in Zazen, but with everything that shows up during Zazen. Zazen challenges us to be courageous, uh, even in the like the point of doing it, right? We 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 Zazen's good for nothing, right? Zazen is we don't do Zazen for the purpose of getting to enlightenment. And so we have to drop that too. And so suddenly we have to sit here and go, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> Which is if we really let it, is scary <laughs> and profoundly uncomfortable. 
And sometimes we get bored and sometimes we, you know, definitely during, during our, our, our session a little, uh, before this, I, my mind wandered. I was constantly thinking about this talk because even though it caused me anxiety, it was easier to do that than to just not know. And then every moment I recognized it, part of it was intentional. Part of it was an active reminder that show up, be here right now. Trust that the talk will turn out fine. Trust that you don't know what's going to happen and that'll be okay too. Um, trust that it's going to come back and that you'll meet it again and you'll have another shot. <laughs> so even when my Zazen falters, whatever that means, um, it's strange how restorative and generative it can be to just sit again or in the midst, you spend 30 minutes being clouded in that one moment, that one instance where you are able to cut through and remind yourself. It's amazing how restorative and generative that can be. And to, to, for it's, it's, it's courageous. And I want to be able to name it that way because I don't think I named it for myself. Um, in those terms that sitting is a courageous act because it's hard. It is really hard. My chaplain colleagues look at me like I'm bonkers sometimes that I will, that I want to, even if I don't want to still want to sit and stare at a wall for 30 minutes or however long, because it's hard. The courage is not, only a resilience and a trust. It's also a lot of an opportunity for, for self-compassion. It's being able to be courageous to show up to yourself and the, the fears and the anxieties that show up and to be honest with them when they show up, uh, to be present to the anger that shows up when you're not doing Zazen the way you're supposed to or something to be compassionate toward yourself when you feel like you need to have some space. All that also takes courage because it it requires an attunement, a really honest, vulnerable attunement to yourself. And I have found that that really honest attunement to yourself, this, this conventional self anyway, that I'm more able to show up for others and be courageous alongside other people who are very much dealing often uh, in my line of work uh, with the great matter of life and death very explicitly. <laughs> so I, th- I'll cut it there. I, th- I think I had a lot more to say, uh, but I didn't realize that this was happening at Ebenezer. So, um, but I'm happy to end it there. I'm, Love to hear thoughts, reactions, anything. Thank you for listening. Alex. Thank you. Howard for this talk as another uh, 
Chaplin resident. It resonates with me very deeply. Um, I really appreciate the, the framing of this as courageous and as, as Zazen, um, the practice of chaplaincy of kind of going into that room and being there with someone who just lost a mother or a son or an arm or something. Um, but I think that's, that's completely correct. I mean, I definitely put into words something that I had just not seen that way. And I think this point about courage, um, it always takes me back to, uh, a talk that, um, talk that was given a very long time ago here. And it was about, um, you know, when you're, when you're angry, be angry Buddha, when you're sad, be sad Buddha. Um, just, you know, embodying the feeling, feeling it fully, letting it, letting it live out and express itself through you. Um, and something my supervisor said once, uh, you know, if you're scared to go and do the visit or if you're scared to go do something, that's fine. Just do it scared. Um, and so that's, that's very much been my sort of mantra for this year has just been, just do it scared. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to not want to do it. It's okay to dread it, but just do it. Even if you're dreading it, do it while you're dreading it. So to have that framed as virya in this sense is I'm, I'm thankful for that. So thank you. Yeah. I think the other version of that I've, I, um, uh, I've heard is the, you know, uh, the koan of how Ma- Master Ma was unwell and uh, somebody visits and asks how he's doing. And he just says, sun face Buddha and moon face Buddha. Um, I think, you know, one one easy way to, to read that into here is is, is it, it's hard to be sun face Buddha too. Like, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to be happy. <laughs> sometimes it's hard to find joy. Um, sometimes it's not. Uh, but when sun face Buddha, just show up as sun face Buddha. Don't don't be sun face Buddha trying to be you know trying to hide sun face Buddha, trying to be moon face Buddha or something. <laughs> Howard, thank you for your talk, and Alex for your comments and. Just um, the aspect of trust, I think, is, is, and you're both talking about this, is very important. Um, the word faith is, is difficult for us because it has all these Western overtones, but just to trust and that you can show up, just showing up. That's, uh, as you say, there's a kind of... Um, commitment, or I, I don't know what to say. I think courage is a good word. Um, uh, and and uh, yeah, uh, how do we have the courage and trust to just show up in our life, whatever the situation? And, uh, you know, what Howard and Alex are, are doing is kind of the ultimate, just being there in the midst of uh, great pain and life and death. But uh, it's not that we trust ourselves and it's not exactly that we trust Buddha. It's that, or, or, you know, maybe it is trusting Buddha, but it's not like Buddha somewhere else. You just walk into the room. So thank you.
a mic here in the Zindoas' hand up? Um, yeah, that's... But thank you again for your talk. That's... What, what it brought to my mind was something I read recently in The Dude and the Zen Master, Jeff Bridges and Bernie Glassman, where they're saying that the... The, we, we vow to liberate all sentient beings, and the one, the, the, there are no exceptions. So the the one person that's there, uh, who is brings up brings up problems with us, or the one situation that brings up resistance, that is precisely where the practice is. That, that's that's precisely the situation or the person or what have you that we need to focus on the most is is the one that we want to focus on the least because that in their words is the barrier to or maybe not barrier but uh, but yeah that's that's where courage is really important is because we can't in being one with everything or trying to simply accept the world as it is it's it, there's always going to be those aspects that uh, that frighten us or anger us or uh, simply that we, that we want to ignore and, and it takes courage not to do that to simply face it as, as everyone has said to show up so thank you for for that reminder the courage aspect really helps I think with the patience and the compassion and morality thank you for that Mike I um the comment made me think of how it, it, it's part of the reason why Dazen can make it difficult and uncomfortable is because you encounter your own resistance so much. Um, uh, I, the more I practice, the more I, the more I keep, you know, I, I keep having this delusion in my head that like, oh, the more I practice, the the less karma I'll have. And this it's how this is a very deeply rooted delusion. Uh, I realize I've come to realize. Um, and the more I practice, the more I keep, the more I seem to keep going. I seem to keep going. Oh wow, that's a that's a lot of karma I'm holding. I I, I seem to be uncovering more karma. <laughs> I don't seem to be uncovering less. <laughs> um, but all the time I've spent on the cushion and the and and the time um, taken to show up while I'm on the cushion has been a foundation for that deeper karma. Those deeper resistances those deeper currents that run through me so that when they come up inevitably in really explicit or really or really subtle ways i'm going to be more attuned and courageous to meet that when that shows up with other people because they also have so much karma and they also have deeply rooted karma and all our karma is just bouncing off each other (laughs)
Until then. Hi, Howard. <clears throat> can you hear me? Hey, yeah, I can hear you. Hello, it's good to see you. I miss you. I miss being in the temple with you. Um, uh, I wanted to, I guess, uh, pick a bone about how uh, we talk about the vows, because I feel like often we uh, we, we we say that they're infinite and huge and impossible. Um, but, like, the word, the, so the, the word, uh, at the top is, uh, numberless. Beings are numberless. Which, which is, which is not the same thing as infinite beings, you know? The word is numberless, which in English usually means, like, beyond counting, but I feel like numberless could also mean without number, you know. Um, and I feel like that's a that's a aspect to the vows that like doesn't that kind of gets that's under the radar. Uh, that like it's I, I mean people that have practiced longer than I have can take me to task for this, please, if I'm misunderstanding this. But like, I feel like there's 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 a there's a play going on here with the word numberless that it both suggests infinitude, but also says explicitly without number, um, and that both of those concepts are being played with in one word, um, which I think impacts the conception or the perception about its impossibility. Um, and then uh, the same thing with uh, Dharma gates, I think. Dharma, yeah, Dharma gates are boundless, which in, in the first uh, image is like, you know, it, 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 they're, they're infinitely big, or there's an infinite amount of them, or they go on forever. Um, but boundless means without bound. Which, which you know, in one can, one way of looking at it means like, you know, infinitely large, but also like, you know, I feel like there's an aspect of it that's also like without bound. You know, like a like a thing, non thingness of thing, uh, in terms of the concept of Dharma Gate. Uh, so maybe I'm wrong, but I, 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 it's just, you know, it's just my opinion, man. In the words of the dude. <laughs> Um, but uh, I, I, I feel like the, that there's, that's like an aspect to the vows that gets uh, that, that doesn't that I think that I think grounds it in a way that we underestimate. I guess. Well, I appreciate that comment. You know, I haven't. Um, I think I know. I I personally want the infinity. Hello. Okay. Um, thank you for that. I I know I personally tend to. Howard, we uh we lost you. You're muted, Howard. I know he's unmuted. I think it's a mic issue. Potentially. I think I'm back now. <laughs> there you are. Um, 
my internet knows no bounds. Um, so, what was I saying? Um, I think the other way of looking at, you know, uh, from your comment, Dylan, I think the other way, like, I experience it in the day-to-day in, in Zazen, but also in in the in the work I do um, is that, yeah, I mean, Dharma gates are boundless. There are no bounds. They could be anywhere, everywhere. Also, if there's no bounds and there's just one big-ass Dharma gate somewhere in front of me that I'm not noticing. Um, so I, for me, that also, the, the flip side of the infinity thing is being able to really cherish, like, maybe it's this one thing. I can't even tell if it's what's one thing from another thing. But it really lets, really more... Um, allows me to deeply cherish the the particular thing that shows up, this particular person who um, who's showing up in all their karma, all their karma, all their suffering, um, but also all of their joys and all their, all their happy memories and all that stuff too. Um, those things are also Dharma gates. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'm responding to your your, your comment very well. But um, I think that's how. I dig it, dude. I have a question. This is Wade, and it's maybe you can shed light on one line from that, which was uh, accomplishing or uh, penetrating seven and accomplishing eight. I'm just curious where that comes from and what that means. Tagen. Please. Tagen from Well, yes. Um, that's that. That phrase is also in the Ehekosu Potsuganmon, and I think it just. I think it's refers to, you know, whatever we take on, go, do more, you know, <laughs> take the next step. Uh, I, I appreciated Dylan's comment of, about numberless or boundless is actually kind of subtle. It's numberless or boundless sounds infinite or intimidating, but actually there's no number, there's no bounds, as Dylan was saying. So uh, it's just, what's right in front of us um, and whatever it is, you know, keep going. You finish seven, you do eight, you know, it's just um, that spirit, which is a kind of energy or trust or, yeah. So thank you. I think perhaps that's the other side of it that I was, think I was um, coming up for me from Dylan's comment of, uh, Sometimes courage and vigor and, and, and enthusiasm is something you really have to like cultivate, like very actively work on it. Um, and then there are other times where it just, it's, it just comes on. Um, and it is very easy in that all it required was for you to just accept this, you know, accept the causes and conditions for what they are 
and go. <laughs> and some of it too is, you know, it's a lot of like sudden gradual stuff. Like part of it, I, I, it's easier for, it's easier for me to, to do that now because of my practice in the past. Um, but also when I look back then, some, a lot of the time was a lot of the, 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 the cultivation was just accepting, trusting and doing the thing. And it, it was more like an accumulation of doing it over and over again so that it became, you know, I, this is very, you know, old Buddhist stuff, right? Like habituating wholesome actions, habituating wholesome behaviors so that they're easier to do and they generate better karma, right? That kind of stuff. Howard, I'll just mention that the talk I gave yesterday morning was on virya and enthusiasm and practicing with enthusiasm. And your talk this evening has amplified it. So uh, we uh, are on the same brainwave or Buddha wave or whatever. Same dry turd. I will note that it's uh, just about time to stop. If uh, there's one more comment or response, we can we can uh, do that. But yes, Jason. Um, so this is just a slight observation from like the the conversation that we're having, and also because Howard did such a wonderful job of giving us the umbrella for this conversation. It was a very good talk. Thank you very much, Howard. Um, but there's um, uh, Raphael's painting of the School of Athens where uh, play in the, the scene, all the different philosophers are all about, but Plato's in the center pointing up and Aristotle's in the center pointing down. And I feel like in this conversation, what I what I'm feeling is this. Uh, I would typically say tense, but it's not tense whatsoever. It's really a harmonic kind of beautiful dance between the the specificity of zazen at times and the infinitude possibilities of bodhisattva practice, and then how they flop and how bodhisattva practice then becomes so specific and then zazen becomes the more infinite version. Like I, I often have this feeling that even if I'm not doing zazen, zazen somewhere is happening. And I don't know what that means or like what that is, but somehow I know that it's true. Just like when I say the, the bodhisattva vows, I know that that is also true, even though it's really hard, but it's happening and now somehow and later and in the past. So I don't know, just this.